In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and giver of life. Amen. <coughs> I was blown away a few weeks ago when I learned, as we all did, of the appointment of our assistant bishop, the right Reverend Dr. Eleanor Sanderson, or Bishop Ellie, as we know her affectionately, to be the next Bishop of Hull. Now, Ellie came here as a young woman from England by herself, probably 20-plus years ago now, and uh, she studied here and uh, did her doctorate while she was here. She was trained and ordained for the priesthood, she was vicar at Eastbourne for a while, and five years ago, uh, very popularly, became elected as the assistant bishop of Wellington. And Ellie and her husband, Tim, were married in this church, and uh, if you've got the prayer book with the little commemorative uh, plaque in it, uh, noting that date, then there's a free, free cup of coffee available after church. Uh, that, that you can claim. And they have two sons, uh, teenage, teenagers now. So Ellie, uh, having come out here uh, as a single English woman, is going home with uh, three Kiwi males in tow. It's a very nice thing to happen. It's a very warm thing to happen. And the diocese uh, which she is in, it's actually part of the Diocese of York, um, but Hull is uh, a part, it's the East Riding of York, where she will have the Episcopal oversight. I've never been to Hull, um, but Jackie and I worked for a year, 50 years ago now, further north in Teesside, part of the Teesside Industrial Mission. And I have a sense that probably the two parts of the country there in the north are probably not too dissimilar. Uh, each has a, a river, a port, an industrial area, a city, and some rather charming rural areas um, further in. And so Ellie, she will have the pastoral oversight uh, of, the, of the Diocese of Hull, and she will have a part in the National Church as well, I have no doubt about that. Uh, the Hull is actually part of the Diocese of York, so she'll be working very closely with the Archbishop of York, uh, John Cottrell, and uh, some of you will remember how he was here um, two or three years ago now as the lead speaker at the Anglican Hui that we had. Now I think her appointment uh, is a kairos. It's a Greek word. The Greek has two words for time. One is chronos, from which we get chronological, the sheer mechanical measurement of hours and minutes and days and weeks and things like that. But kairos is a different sort of time. It's a special time. It's an opportune time. It's the right time. It's God's time. And I think when I think of Ellie's appointment to Hull, I think of it 
as a kairos. It is the right time that she's the right person to be there <coughs> and leading the mission in that part of northern England. Further south, in the Diocese of Chelmsford, it's just out from London, there's another woman bishop. In fact, there are quite a lot of women bishops in England, so that in itself is not a, um, a, a very remarkable thing these days. But the Bishop of Chelmsford is the Right Reverend Dr. Guli Francis Decani. She's an Iranian woman. She was uh, born in Iran where her father was the Bishop of Iran and the family had to flee uh, at the time of the 1979 revolution. And so she as a young, probably young girl at that time, you know, came to England with a re-established life and she too felt the call to ordination and trained and ordained and uh, is now the Bishop of Chelmsford. And being the Bishop of Chelmsford, she actually sits in the House of Lords where she has a particular responsibility for housing and is recognised as such. And that housing connection continues. The Archbishop of Canterbury has a special commission on housing and one of their tasks is to examine every piece of land that the Church of England holds and to see if it is suitable for social housing. Now that's a huge task to be responsible for, uh, for Bishop Gooley. Um, and we have here in New Zealand a similar kind of program that's underway too, to look at church lands in this country and to see how possible is it for some of our land, which we don't really need all that much anymore, to be turned into social housing. Now that's a very big picture and whether Bishop Ellie will be involved in uh, housing issues as a specific thing, I don't know. But I have no doubt that Bishop Ellie and Bishop Gooley will have a great deal in common in their leadership in the National Church. And this is about now, it's the beginning of the Lambeth Conference. If they don't already know each other, I have no doubt that they will be <coughs> finding each other having a lot in common at this time. So there's a great big picture you know, that Ellie is walking into. But that picture is part of an even bigger picture, an ultimate picture. It's a picture that we heard about in Paul's letter to the Colossians just now. And just to recap on some parts of that picture, it said that God is the God of all creation, that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, that all thrones, powers and rulers hold together in him, that Christ is the head of the body, the church, and that all things and all people are reconciled to God through Christ's blood on the cross. Now you can't get a bigger picture than that and for us to be able to see everything we do as part of that mission 
of bringing together under God in Christ all things and all people in a reign of harmony, unity and peace. But manifestly, you know, as we look around the world today, we can see no way. There are a few signs of that happening, thank God for that. Many signs in some places. Great. But the world as a whole today does not represent or embody that picture that Paul sets out for us. So we see, for example, that on all sides, <clears throat> evil and sin abound, that there is great conflict in the world among nations, between nations, um, within nations, uh, between different races, and what's become very real to us in recent time, the cultural clashes you know, that bind different groups of people um, irrevocably into positions from which they will not move but will hold to them whatever might happen and oblivious to any reason or dialogue or conversation. And of course there is the war that we see not only in Ukraine and in other places but there there is poverty and very especially the environmental degradation that is all around us today. The whole challenge of climate change and you know that that is something which we need to be able to put right in God's creation. So Colossians sets out this mission. It's a challenge to all of us. It's part of our discipleship to see where do we fit in that great picture that God has of the unity and the harmony of all creation. It's um, what you might say, it's aspirational, something that we aspire to. It's a vision, an ultimate vision that we want to have a part and part of our discipleship <clears throat> is in that way of how do we in our own lives and work contribute to the building of that kingdom of God in all creation. Uh, each one of us, we are told by Paul, um, have been distant from God but are now called to God and with Paul to make Christ known to the world of God, of all God's fullness and to see that the part of the richness of the body of Christ is something that we can live and enliven others in it. Now from that huge picture, ultimate picture, we come down to a very specific example in the reading of today's gospel. And here's a story we all know, we've heard it so many times, of Mary and Martha. Mary sitting at <clears throat> Jesus' feet, soaking up all the riches of the Messiah and taking them on board, while Martha hurries around serving refreshments. And I, I sometimes wonder... Maybe it's only half the story. Did they perhaps swap at half time? That maybe Martha went and sat at Jesus' feet while Mary got up and cleared away the dishes, etc. Not sure about that. But um, I think what we can see, one thing that we can see in that story uh, is both the inward and the outward journey which are part of our Christian life. Now the inward journey where we sit 
at the feet of Jesus and we build that personal relationship with him. Um, but then <clears throat> there's the outward journey. You know, fired by that encounter with Christ, it takes us out into the world and in our own daily lives and in our own daily work, we are engaged in making the fullness of Christ known to all the people. And this, I think, <clears throat> is very important in understanding the ministry of the laity. Now, very often it seems that the head of the church uh, are the clergy uh, and that the lay people really exist in order to help the church, help the clergy run the church. Now, sadly, so many DOS and programs and others exhibit that. But it's completely the wrong way round. Because if we have a picture of mission as engaging in the whole of creation, then it's actually the lay people who are there on the front line. And instead of them spending all their time helping the clergy run things, the clergy, including myself, needs to be more involved in enabling the lay people to be the spears of God's mission you know, in schools and hospitals and factories and workplaces, all that we can think of in the community, in their daily life and work, their home life. Now, every step, every word uh, should be, can be a word of compassion, a word of peace and reconciliation, a word or an action for justice, that this is where we need to see that the main thrust of the life of the laity is. And here at St Peter's, somehow we do a reasonable job, I think, in blending the inward and the outward together. We have a strong worshipping community. We have a, a great run of studies and meditational groups and prayers. But we're also a church that is open to the community. People come here. We reach out to them. We provide food you know, through the food store. We're involved in issues like housing and many of the other issues of Tiaro, which are part of our patch, you know, where we are called to serve. So here's a, a great picture that we have of the mission of the church. And as I've been thinking about Bishop Ellie. Uh, in, in the course of this week and thinking what to say today, it seems to me that she and her particular place in Hull is going to be one of those leaders. And we here in our place, not only in the church, but in our work involvement, need to be engaged also in exactly that same mission that Paul sets out for us. So let's pray today for Bishop Ellie and Tim and her boys as they settle in Hull and start there and Bishop Cooley. Let's pray for Bishop Justin who will be there and uh, along with all the other bishops of the Anglican Communion. And the hymn that I've had in mind specifically is the one we're going to sing at our offertory hymn. I know I and probably you at times can sort of drift through hymns without thinking very carefully about what we're singing. But I find the hymn that we'll sing in the offertory is one that captures 
know, the, the essence of what we're on about in both our inward journey and our out journey. So as we sing it, let's see it as a call to discipleship in how we live our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. In his name, amen. <laughs>